What's up, Two Dope family? If you're hearing this in December, it means you're one of our amazing patrons who gets early access to some of the podcast content. Congratulations. As teachers everywhere begin to wind down, the last thing on our minds is probably planning for next semester. But when you're ready to take on the daunting task of planning, take some time today and go with me into the mind of Lauren Perraro, rising star educator in the Bay Area and creator of the phenomenal Teach to Blossom Instagram account. We hear Lauren talk openly about her focus, her pedagogy, and her process as she works to better herself as an early service educator to bring disruptive, culturally relevant anti-racist experiences to her students. An invigorating conversation about community, transparency, and solidarity. You will not want to miss this one. What's up, folks? It's the moment you've all been waiting for. I am here. Well, not here. I'm on Zoom with Lauren Ferraro, a fantastic teacher that I found on Instagram. Uh, Lauren, how you doing today? Doing awesome. About to have myself a great few weeks off from school to relax. Yes. Yes, that's and and that is such an important thing. And uh, you were just saying off mic that a couple more things to do. The light is right there. You're about to reach the end of the tunnel, and it's about to be over for a little bit. And especially right now, this vacation may be the most anticipated couple weeks off in the history of public education. Am I right? Hundred <laughs> percent. Awesome. Well, let's uh, start off. This is a um, this is one of those uh, one of those conversations that I really enjoy. Because what I've seen just in your social media presence is this incredible um, comfort that you have with pedagogy and praxis. I think those thing, two things really come to life in the stuff that you so um, unselfishly share with all of us who follow you. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your teaching context? Um, how did you come into teaching? Um, that kind of thing. Yeah, I um, am in the middle of my second like fully official year of teaching amazing. Um, <laughs> i don't know last year it was so i've never had a full year of teaching like my own set of kids without a pandemic coming in yeah <laughs> the pandemic generation that's what y'all are gonna be <laughs> yep yep and that was uh, a curveball for sure um and so yeah i mean i'm officially a second year educator here um teaching at the high school that i graduated from in the school district i experienced my k through 12 education in, wow. so it's really close um close teaching context that makes me um just really in love with my job in ways that i'm sure i would still have if i was at another school site but it's just extra special with that history that i already feel so intertwined in yeah. um i feel like little mini mini me's in 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 certain ways yep. um and i'm also balancing um my master's in u.s history that i'm i'm in the middle of i have one more school year after this one because i'm part-time with that and balancing yep. with full-time teaching so i've never known teaching without being also a grad student oh man so I'm, I'm really excited and looking forward to that. Uh, my class this semester was a uh, women's history seminar. 
And so we wrapped that up and I had some extra time and I'm just like, I don't know what to do with this extra time after, but I read. So shocker yeah, there. Figure it out. Right. <laughs> that's, a, that's just amazing to me. So I was in my eighth year of teaching when I went and got my master's. I cannot imagine um, what that must be like. And, and you like, you never seem super perturbed on online. Like, and I know that it probably spreads you really thin, um, but just the, the optimism I think is what uh, draws a lot of people to your content and just to your presence. Um, it's super cool. That's cool. And I also, I don't teach at the school I graduated from, but I do teach in the district that I graduated from. There's something about that that just feels right. Like I can't, I can't even picture teaching in another school district even though it'd probably be fine, it just feels really strange to not be that intertwined to the community, to your point. So, so let's, uh, let's hop into these questions. Um, so the thing that, um, the thing that I think most impresses me that, you know, I want to hear you talk about is, is, um, your planning and lesson design. Um, so for me as an early service teacher, I, and it still just blows my mind that it's your second year, um, because just looking at, and it, really I have, you know, my experience to compare it to. And I was like, I don't know, man, like I had like a focus exercise most days. And then after that, it was just, it, it's a blur. Um, so it's excellent. The stuff is engaging. It is well-planned, thoughtful, culturally responsive, actively anti-racist. Um, so how do you feel this, first of all, how did you get like this already? Um, and second of all, how do you feel that this skill um, that you have in planning really promotes equity in your learning space? I definitely have to credit, um, first of all, thank you for acknowledging like- <laughs> <laughs> Game recognized game, for real, so good. <laughs> I really have a, a tendency to overlook um, my assets and what I bring, because I have a lot of like, perfectionism that I'm really actively sure. trying to work through um, yeah. as I move forward in my profession. Um, and so I really appreciate that. And so I want to also affirm that in myself too. Yeah. Um, and I think what really helped me is my entry point into education uh, was really established firmly in my credential program. So like a lot of shouting out to my professors there who really helped hone and introduce a lot of like uh, theory, critical theory, uh, yeah. critical race theory, more responsive ways of approaching classroom management and student relationships. So those seeds were really planted within my credential program, super thankful. Um, and then additionally, uh, in conjunction with that, I constantly, even before I was uh, finished with my program, always reaching out, looking online, Google searching to death, trying to find other uh, communities and teacher inquiry groups and projects and in my um, Bay Area where I'm at within yeah. California, really trying to find other um, professional learning communities. And I did find those sources and I went to those workshops and I did those webinars and I was super hungry for yeah. other people who felt very similar to myself in their approach to teaching, yeah. which would lead me to teacher Instagram where I primarily um, virtually online collaborate and uh, connect with other educators. Yeah. So I think it was just like this hunger and desire to like be in connection with other people uh, to like, I, I feel like that I always knew the vision of what like I wanted and who I wanted to become and like it's still evolving. I, I just felt like I was just following my interests and I was following um, what felt right and right. going to those conferences and going to those places and meeting with those people and reaching out and um, just exploring in ways that um, 
were piece by piece sculpting me into like who I am today uh, prior to applying those kind of philosophy theories frameworks in the classroom context. And that itself was like a, a rude awakening to like actually put everything into practice. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that was kind of how I like before I got into um, into service and into actually teaching uh, just a lot of outreach, going, moving, emailing, um, and using a lot of, and just observing too, just other educators virtually in person, just adding it all, looking at other people outside of social science as well, uh, taking from this, adding from that, um, yeah. adding more of that, like, and just kind of seeing like what works for me, trying things on, and then, then still continually doing that same kind of process today. Yeah. But one of the things that you um, did recently that I just thought was really amazing. And, and for me as a, as a person who also teaches an AP history class, um, it was one of these kind of awakenings like, oh, yeah, there should actually be some things that are rooted in the community. And I think as you as you get absorbed into the culture of the college wars, 11 years for me teaching AP World, you you sort of lose sight at times, or I, I've been taught to use I statements, I have lost sight at times um, of what makes history really go. And it's that local history piece um, that, that you've done. And so, there's so much good stuff that you that you have there and honestly what you've just said has me rethinking a lot of how I feel about a lot of teacher prep programs um, because what you hear from a lot of folks who are working in those programs or at least what I've heard um, the last few years um, as someone who supports teacher candidates pretty often is well we can't really do much about the way things are we just have to kind of adjust and make the most of it but it really sounds like you've it's been it's been this perfect storm, right? You've had great people who are really committed to the right things in education, in, in my view. Um, critical race theory, critical theory in general, cultural responsiveness, um, and then your own ambition to learn and to and to become great. And that that perfectionism thing is so interesting, right? Um, I don't identify as a perfectionist. I'm kind of uh, an external processor. I just kind of do stuff. And whatever works, I keep. And whatever doesn't, I try not to do again. Um, and so everything I do is a mess initially. Um, but the, the, the flip side of that, that perfectionism is also the, the belief that this can be, you, you can be the best version of yourself in the classroom. And I think that as teachers, we have so many voices that are coming at us in really harsh ways that kind of having that belief in, in yourself is, is pretty impressive um so you are in graduate school you are constructing these incredible interactive lessons i mean your pivot to online learning has been pretty um impressive and and there aren't a lot of like accounts that i check constantly i'm always looking at your account when you post the stories because it's just like i've i've found ideas i have to actually shout something out and i and i was i was sure to give you credit um so you had this cool activity and I'm, I'm curious as to how it worked with your students where the students are doing this work, but you had these differentiated breakout rooms. Um, so there was the, the one where if they just wanted to go solo, no mic, no camera, no chat box, nothing, they could go to that room. And then there's another one where they can just communicate through the chat and then there's camera and chat. And then there's one where they could stay with the teacher. I was like, that is freaking dope. Like I need to try that because all my students are in different places with everything. And, they need different things from me. So how did you come up with that? And um, how did it work for your students? So that was something that um, 
I modified what I'd seen on other teacher Instagram accounts. Um, so they had like a version of that that uh, went out. And I think a lot of people were like uh, posting about that. Um, and so a person off the top of my head is um, the caffeinated classroom. Um, okay. Yeah. As she's one who posted about that. And then I kind of adapted it and changed it a little bit in a way that I felt like would work with my students. Um, and it, I tried that and it was really great to feel in those moments when I was working in a small group with students that were uh, requesting to work one-on-one -on -one to again, feel like we were having an interactive experience and getting yeah. to talk and feel like that. Cause my students aren't, um, typically using the mic. I have like one or two students. Yeah. Yeah. None have the My, mine box. will, mine love the chat box. Like I've got some that they just own the chat box and I've started recording like the sessions just so I could get the transcript because it's so funny and so like wonderful. But yeah, I've had the same experience that the mic rarely goes on, like rarely. Yes. We are like the vocal like facilitators and I'll say things like, well, this student says, and then this says, and right. Uh, rarely ever are they like saying it um, to the group um, right. openly, um, but I think there is, there's a lot that has been challenging because of online, but one thing is just the ways that you can hear students and they can communicate with you and share in dialogue in ways that you just can't, I can't think of a way to replicate the, you know, quick chat opportunities for them to DM yeah. like a private message and doing that in real life. I just it's just incomparable in that sense. So in that ways, there's like a great benefit to it. But the groups, um, that was really nice. That helped me because before that, prior to that, I was doing a bit more like asynchronous, not really like um, adding the lesson and doing the lesson with them necessarily in a synchronous way. I added right. um, because of what I read and researched prior, a lot of people were advocating for more asynchronous time and more of that independent work and the free flowing, like right. give that hunk during class um, and be there to support them. Um, but then once I had that moment to just be with students and have them reflect on how that works for them or not, I came to realize that students um, really do want a more, well, at least my students, my students really want a more in-person simulation experience where I'm walking them through stuff. I give them a timer, five minutes to do a writing task. They yeah. uh, do it on their Google site or their Google doc. They paste that into the chat box. I read some out. I affirm, I give feedback. I say, add this, I highlight. Um, that has been uh, great. And it isn't always perfect because every student's like computer connection is a little different. Some days it's more effective than others. And I'm still trying to figure out what it really looks like. But that one specific instance with like the differentiated breakout rooms um, was useful because then I got to see where students were at and they were able to kind of decide for themselves and be more empowered to choose their experience. And I'm like thinking about how I can utilize those again next semester when we start yeah. uh, 2021, um, because I really think that there could be of use to that, allowing students at certain points to be able to decide uh, how they're spending their time right. um, and offer them that choice. Yeah. So just uh, as, as a follow-up, um, so you're hundred percent remote right now? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then do you have, do you have like, has, has your district set like a plan for returning to in-person is like, is there a date? So no date. Are you all going to be remote the rest of the year? So that has not been confirmed as to the extent of it. Um, and so I think it's highly unlikely that before like winter break, we will, right. I mean, sorry, uh, February break, will there be um, 
any change before then. So that's, that's right. nice to know that ahead of time. But also I was going to say that's such a, that's like, because here, you know, and I, and I think that, that Denver is its own thing, but here what we've had is, okay, we're going to be back August 19th. Okay. Just kidding. Uh, we're going to move it a week. And then just kidding. We're going to keep the first quarter remote. And so October 23rd, we're coming back. Actually, that's not going to happen. So now we're going to go until Thanksgiving. So, so what happened is we had, the can was getting kicked down the road and, you know, and uh, listen, nobody knows anything about at this point, you know, knew how to make these plans, except some people were calling for them. Right. But what that's done is it's made it very difficult for teachers in Denver to adjust. It's like, am I planning a remote lesson? Am I planning for hybrid? What am I actually doing right now? So it, so it sounds like it is kind of helpful to just know that at least until February, this is just, this is what we're doing and allows you to kind of get better at it. Yes. Yeah. It, I would be anxiety city. Like if that was my situation where it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back. So we have nothing right yeah. now on tap for going back into in-person because where I'm in, like in the Bay area in Santa Clara County, it is wildly yes. surging over here. Um, COVID. So it's um, yeah, I don't foresee that happening. Yeah, We see these, uh, these line graphs that are out in Colorado that it, it looks like something from a cartoon because there's these, it's kind of bumpy. And then, and then it's like off the paper and it's like that, this can't be real. And, and we're definitely seeing that here. Um, no, it's, it, it's a trip to put it in technical terms, I think. Um, so I, so I'm, I'm going to reframe the second question because um you know, because you, you mentioned uh, perfectionism, right? And you mentioned just kind of this this ambition and this drive that you have. Do you do you feel like you're a great teacher? <laughs> I know we ask the hard questions here. <laughs> Never ask a teacher if they think they're good. <laughs> I I genuinely do feel like I am good. Um, that is like the overarching like. I know I'm good. Where I'm at right now, uh, I'm very proud of what I've accomplished, especially now that like this is a marker of like, you know, a full semester has been accomplished of virtual yeah. teaching. Like that's, I did not think on the outset of like getting my credential on that day, that yeah. day of graduation, that this would be my very near future. So just knowing what I've come overcome and what my students and I have worked through and processed together, I feel very um, proud of myself. And I do feel like I am a good teacher but that does not mean that on a daily basis, I don't feel <laughs> like I'm not doing enough, but I do sure. know that now that like I've, I've uh, been exposed more to folks on um, and accounts on Instagram and doing more research on my own and just better understanding the education system. It has allowed me to not blame myself for these mm. perceived shortcomings and to understand like systemically um, where I fit in and how I yeah. as one individual can't, hold the weight of things that are more of a larger social or systemic institutional um, issue and yep. to like relieve and liberate myself from that, knowing yeah. in many ways it is my job to also um, change that. So it's, it's a, it's a complicated answer to that question. I know. I know. It's, it's just interesting because as you probably know, when you, when you see people's um, social media presence, it's not always the same as, as um as it is just talking like like we're talking now like we conversate with people and um it in my head like being Lauren Ferraro is is about like I wake up I crush education 
I go to grad school and then I'm chilling. Right. And so, it, so it, it, it's interesting because I think that sometimes there's a little bit of competitiveness among teachers where, you know, where we are a little resentful when we think somebody's doing a really good job. Right. And, um, and so I'm always curious as to how folks that I re- like, it's funny, I, I've been teaching 11 times as long as you and I really look up to the work that you do. Um, and it's, and it's got implications for me as a person who is trying to learn. I was a really bad student um, until high school. And then I kind of learned to play the game and learned to just do what was asked of me. And, you know, and I could be snarky as long as I was turning in all my work. And, uh, you know, and, and I realized how little I got out of my high school education. And, uh, and so, you know, so for me, it's about this learning process and just kind of seeing the work that you've done has done that. So, yeah, I guess that was just kind of a question of like, was it, what does it feel to wake up every morning and be Lauren? Because like, <laughs> uh, the work is really impressive. It, it really is. And, um, you know, and it's, it's always fun to kind of look. Sometimes I look at it, I'm like, man, that's, that's amazing. I need to rethink everything I'm doing. And I, I'm not here for that right now. But, um, but, but it's great the way, you, uh, the way you do this kind of work. Um, just impressive how you, how you've, uh, you've become so good in such a short amount of time. Um, just, just impressive. Um, in part due to like the people that I collaborate with and, and learn from, like, I do definitely feel like I am a culmination of so many other like unnamed sources and also those tangible, like colleagues who I work with and I collaborate with online. Like it's a really, I'm like a kind of cornucopia mosaic of, of yeah. things and theorists and authors and writers and historians. I do think it's like a, a collective experience. And I do try to be um, open and vulnerable online about like the more internal struggles yep. of teaching. Because um, I do really think that uh, to, something I talk about is perfectionism and is also like boundaries as well. And that's something that a lot of people discuss um, within the circles on teacher Instagram. And I think it's important yep. and should be talked about more. Um, just knowing that like boundary work uh, and unlearning certain things, like especially mm-hmm. things related to like white supremacy and upholding those kind of um, values and ideas and belief sets. And also just like the unlearning and, and relearning of myself and who I am as a person. And wow. I read a lot of like professional development books and yeah. I like colonize that in a sense of understanding. Yeah, that I mean, you like people. read all the time and it's <laughs> so impressive the, the, how, much, how much you like read and, and internalize yourself. But what I love about what you just said is, um, is that teaching is a, it, it's a, it's a community imperative. It's a community behavior. It's a social behavior. And you know, those of us who, you know, and as, as a male teacher of color, it's, it's oftentimes I find myself isolated. Um, people just don't speak the same language that I speak when it comes to it. That's why, that's why my podcast partner, Kevin is like such a godsend because we understand each other. Um, but as you were talking about the people who make up this mosaic, this cornucopia of, of who you are, I'm thinking about all the people who, mentored me I think of Doris my first mentor and Linda who ruined me for every principle I would have after that until this year I finally like have a principle that I'm like this is a great one um and and I just love that um I I love that framing of it that you know it's like we don't do this by ourselves we have things to learn we have things to unlearn and you know we are our communities that that's that's a beautiful sentiment I love it what's um so when you talk about your unlearning process, this is a really 
interesting concept, I think, for our listeners. What's something you feel that you've had to unlearn as you've if, as you've kind of moved into teaching and just like it, it seems like you don't have a lot of what the children will call chill when it comes to like doing your best work and trying your hardest. Um, so what's something as you've kind of thrown yourself headlong into this work that you've had to unlearn? I've had to unlearn a lot of what I did not um, know I had. It was um, a lot of like, especially with grad school as well, in conjunction with that, it's a lot of facing and confronting parts of yourself that um, only become more exasperated as you like move forward. Yeah. So myself, I remember I would uh, come home from student teaching at the same high school, but I had uh, yep. 12th grade. Uh, a gov- You're on a mission. You're on a mission to be in that school. <laughs> That's was, awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, a little bit of destiny. Uh, yeah. Um, and I would just come home and I just sit on the couch and I felt like, like just failure, capital F, because something did yeah. not work. Yep. Um, and then my sec, my first year teaching, just wrapping my head around like, oh my gosh, cell phones, like this is. They won't put them away. And I think that with um, this year, learning um, to this idea of like control and what that means. Right. I like to the extent of which I can control the reactions and responses of my students and which mm-hmm. I can control myself in terms of how I respond to students and also myself and just the cyclical experience that that all is. I think just for me, this idea of control and power heavily influences my uh, analysis and learning and unlearning of relationships with my students, as well as uh, my relationship with myself and also how I approach curriculum, understanding uh, that there's also power and control when it comes to history and historiography and those kind of narratives and all of that in a content sense. Um, so how can I make that more explicit, that language of uh, power and control? So it's, yeah. I think that's my biggest thing that I've had to unlearn is that I don't have control um, over anybody, anything. And I just, it makes it more evident with like this whole COVID experience. Like, <laughs> Especially I now. I don't have control. Um, but what I do have is relationships and what I do have is love and what I do have is like care and that is like the ground upon which I uh, invite students to engage with me and learn opening that door sending that that hand that invitation I think people are more likely to resonate with that especially when I frame my teaching and curriculum in a way that like tries to make it relevant and meaningful and uh in responsive to the current moments and and meeting students where they're at so that's something I've been unlearning control in the layered a uh, multitude of ways it manifests itself in both personal, professional, and like classroom context ways. That's, that's so well put. Um, it, it, control is definitely something we don't have in a remote setting, right? Like it's one of those things where, you know, I, you know, I was facing this moment when I gave my AP world final, I was like, I don't actually have any way of knowing whether or not you're going to cheat on this. Like, you know, I, I don't have the lockdown browser. I'm not going to make you get it for my own. Like, I don't even understand some of that technology. So, you know, what it comes down to, folks, I, I just trust you that you want to do the best that you can and that you are you are just people who want to be successful in life. And wherever you are in that in that inner dialogue is I, I get it. And because um, that control piece is is really um, it's really important. No, that's that's great. Um 
so, so many things to unlearn, right? That's, it's like this, I feel like that's going to be the name of this learning and unlearning, right? Because I feel like you, you definitely represent that vibe when you're, when you're sharing what you have, that it's, that it's combination of both things. So, so the Instagram, Instagram page that you, the Instagram account that you run is how I found your work. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to, like you said, you, you have, you are very vulnerable with, um, with all of these people. Um, you have a lot of followers. Um, and, um, how did you, how did you arrive at a place where you felt comfortable sharing what you share through uh, digital media that even goes to, you know, there's, there's other resources that you just link to people. Like you're like, here, check out this drive. It's got, you can use all this stuff. Um, how did you arrive to a point where you were comfortable saying, you know, I'm gonna put some stuff out here and hopefully it helps people. Or maybe that's not why. (laughs) I don't, yeah, I feel like there is a common, um, fear and worry that educators um, on in virtual settings when it comes like sharing like on Twitter, like Instagram are very hesitant to like put their work out there for very valid reasons. Cause like I've yeah. also <laughs> been like, you know, I get the, the DM, the message that, or the comment that has said like, um, you know, a critique or like a, a, a fair analysis of something. And um, in the beginning, it, I haven't really gotten like a lot of like call-ins, I guess. Um, yeah. from people but when I have I feel like to varying degrees I've been like responsive to that uh, yeah. and then in in some cases I feel like I was not actually uh, as responsive as I should have been mm. um, and not as open to that uh, and that again is like attached quite closely and connected to my um, issues with perfectionism where yeah. you tend to um, see and view any type of uh, valid critique or criticism as something that is um, a attack at your identity and who you are as a person. Like it's saying, right. I'm not good. And so that is why I really felt like it was pertinent because I want to grow above everything else. I want to grow and evolve. And so I had to learn to um, not equate those things together as I was sharing online. So that was like a yeah. hurdle and it's not easy to confront and face that. So I could see right. why that is relevant to an educator, why that might not be something. Cause if you were, um, on public in public spaces sharing it's very it's a very vulnerable experience so i guess i just had a lot of faith and support from people who were like interested in it and i uh had a small group of people who um i was in close contact with so i feel like that kind of helped too that like there were folks that um made me feel like um it was a safe space to share things um and then as my following um has expanded um it's more, I'm more willing and I think more interested in sharing larger framework concepts and using my lessons as like examples of larger things. It's like a more sustainable way to showcase what I know, my knowledge, my learnings to the extent that it would be um, interested for uh, educators on their side of things. Yeah. Have you gotten um, feedback from folks saying this stuff is great, so helpful? Like, do you get that kind of feedback directly from people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is always like really nice and affirming because I yeah. do spend a, quite a bit of time uh, sharing things online, especially after a long day of working quite extensively outside yeah. of my contracted hours. <laughs> yeah. I do this, yeah, I do this like because I genuinely love to uh, be in community with other people, uh, which is a really important value of mine. And yeah. people um, are very verbally um, affirming. And that is like always really nice um, to yeah. get that kind of acknowledgement. Yeah, no, it's, and, and I think one of the things that I've gotten out of following your account is that it isn't just 
it's not the kind of t typical teacher Instagram thing, right? It's like, look how great I am. Look how great all this stuff is. You take us through a process, right? Um, here's how I'm thinking about this. Here's this passage that I read that it's really pertinent here. Here's how I'm handling the current COVID moment. I think, was it today that you had something, um, a comparison of the 1918 flu epidemic with uh, what we're going through with COVID? You know, it, it's, it's such good stuff because it's just, listen, I, I'm one teacher with one set of students. It's processing things and uh, putting things together. And I think that is really impressive. The, the critical pedagogy resources, is that still a resource that you're sharing with folks? I feel like when I saw that you were gonna do that, I think I sent you a DM immediately. I'm like, you, I want in, how do you do that? And so you sent me the link and I still have it in my drive. So are, are you still uh, sharing those things with people? Is that, is that as much a part of what you're doing these days or, or less so? Um, more so uh, with like lessons or like, framework related things or more like just pieces here as like I'm starting to reflect on um more like things more tailored to surviving this year of like digital virtual learning and hybrid yeah. and whatever it comes at people that's more so like um what I'm offering but I do have a lot of like um things linked on my account that are a variety of different things that I kind of like they go through like rotation based off of like relevancy and all that um and typically summers where I'm sharing a lot of things because that's like I feel like for a lot of educators is the time yep. to like run free and explore yeah. and play and yep. experiment and stuff so that's typically the time where like I really kind of amp things up and and it's a great way for people because they just have more of that like mental capacity to also engage in that way where it feels a bit more like reciprocal yeah and, and I think too for those of us who, who really do love the work you know there's 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 definitely a place for summer just don't think about any of it and just decompress but I also find that to your point, summer is when I can start like actually exploring things and thinking a little bit more creatively about what I'm doing. And I'm a, I'm a big basketball fan. So I think of, you know, my, my Denver Nuggets and, you know, watching them in this preseason, just goof around and sling the ball around and do things that they would never do in a real game. Um, but it's preseason and, and it's kind of the time to have fun and discover those kinds of things. And so I, I'm, I'm glad you voiced that. It makes it feel, it makes me feel seen when people around me are like, dude, you're like reading for work. Like why? And I'm like, but this is when I can, you know? And, and as a history teacher, obviously, you know, reading history, um, it kind of feels like it's, it's both. It's like, well, I can use this in class, but also I can just be a nerd because this is cool and interesting. So you, you've done this amazing uh, job of answering the other questions in, in your other questions. So I'm going to, I'm going to go off the top of the head for the last couple, if that's okay. Um, so the first one is where, what's the future of Teach the Blossom as you're kind of thinking of it? Is, is this a platform where you're just kind of content keeping the platform here? You do have a pretty significant following and, and it grows every time I tell somebody about it. <laughs> like, I'm like, follow this account, it's really good. Um, so is this something you're looking to build into the future or is this just a way to be in community with people, a little bit of both? Yeah, that's something I've been kind of contemplating and exploring, um, figuring out that like time obviously is a very finite thing. Yeah. Um, and I know that for now it will like remain as is, um, as a place where I actively share um, pedagogy, resources, ideas, brainstorm, receive ideas from other people. Um, and now between now and like when I finish my graduate program in another yeah. year. Um, and then after that, I'm really kind of contemplating and seeing where it, it can go because I do have 
uh, multitude of, of ideas that I want to like to add onto my plate because I'm the queen of like adding more things onto my plate. <laughs> over. Yeah. I know I really want to invest in more opportunities to bridge um, the gap between like the ivory tower history and then what students experience in the classroom and offering Brilliant. more opportunities Brilliant. to do that with other educators in, yep. in conjunction of them because I'm just constantly inspired by uh, what people are researching and studying and creating in their classes um, and across subject areas and grade levels as well. Yeah. The best thing I could recommend is somebody to not just pigeonhole themselves and only following their subject area, their grade level, like really. Absolutely. Oh, there's so much great stuff in, in other subjects. Like the, the times that I get stuck in the copy room with some of the, with one of my science colleagues, it's just like, why are we not doing more of the same stuff? Like it, it's pretty amazing. That that's cool. That's such a great thing because as a, as a history teacher, you know, when, when I reflect on my undergraduate history experience, which was really, really good, um, I felt like the relationship didn't always exist between those of us working in, you know, ECE through 12 and higher ed. And I feel like that can be a really uh, positive connection. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then like expanding and thinking about where this um, platform can go. I'm like thinking about because um, I have a background in like journalism. So potentially making okay. it more of like a, giving it more of a home, I should say, like on mm. the internet, maybe um, a website of some sort and like sure. interspersing some multimedia here and there that can yep. best like articulate and communicate um, my resources and yeah. my rationale and all these kind of things. So just playing around thinking about what that could be. Um, could be a really great way for me to continue to like share and grow and learn with others and alongside yeah. them. Um, so I, I'm very curious myself to yeah. see what, what happens or maybe I just get tired. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. And you know, exactly. Maybe it's like, I want to do something else. Um, no. And I think, I think the, um, the focus of being in community, it's, it, it, it's so clear. And I think that that's, that's such an important place to anchor our work in, in, in education, um, and especially now as, as we're all quarantined and we're all teaching from our homes and our offices and those kinds of places where, you know, we were, we were isolated before. And, you know, now it's even more so because we're physically isolated. Like I can't get up and well, I can't walk in. I can, I can go into a, talk to another teacher in my house. My wife teaches ECE. Um, <laughs> and so, and some of the fun is just like listening to, her run her remote sessions with her four-year-olds and I'm like I really should do this with my high schoolers like it is oh it's the most it's the sweetest thing ever and she wears funny costumes and introduces the dog and they get so excited and it's it's amazing Perfect. so we've talked about a collab like how do we cross over where I take some of your activities and do them with my high schoolers because I feel like they would really like that. <laughs> um, so the community aspect that like we yeah. will only be through this together, like being in community and, and that mutual reciprocation of like ideas That's right. and, and care, even in an emotional sense, like my colleagues, as you're talking about this, I'm like, my colleagues that are supporting me are truly the people I follow. And the majority of them I've never even met and I've been following them for wow. years on Instagram and they know me quite yep. intimately in a professional sense and oftentimes yeah. very personally in ways that like my colleagues, I don't even interact with in a certain way in yeah. my own like, like department. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's definitely a thing where there's a, f there's a couple that, that I also interact with online and that's just a really interesting world because I almost feel like most of my coworkers exist in these um, social media communities uh, more yeah. than in my actual building. And I'm not sure what I think about that, but it's interesting. Um, yeah. So as we kind of bring this to a close, what, how can people support your work? Are there 
projects, initiatives, donors choose? Where do they follow? Um, how do they find your work and what you do? Yeah, so if anybody's interested in supporting my work, I have on my Instagram account um, a link to an Amazon book wish list to invest in my future education and my students as well, um, as well as uh, like my Venmo account that's linked there as well. But I think truly the best way uh, to support me is to engage with me on my account um, because truly what I want to get out of that account is authentic connections and opportunities to grow with other people. Um, So that account is Teach to Blossom and it has been truly foundational and critical to my understanding and growth of myself as an educator. Um, So I would love to further connect with people who are also trying to make the most and just, you know, survive this year. Yeah. So um, in a way that um, centers equity. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant. Um, so we do have one question that we tend to wrap up with. And so you're in the Bay Area. So I feel like this is one that you could probably address, but there's, but there's also, there's an alternate because great teachers give choice, right? Okay. Um, so we do, uh, we do a top five rappers thing. Um, or if you are not a hip hop head, um, whose music are you feeling right now? Oh, I absolutely love 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 right now um it's probably very strange for me because <laughs> i don't really care for most of her music but yep. Miley cyrus came out with a really awesome okay <laughs> 1970s 1980s like rock album yeah and there's like a cover not a cover yeah there's a cover of like um a really good song on there and then she has a, a song with stevie nicks who's like my all-time favorite Wow. Um, I love Fleetwood Mac. I love Stevie Nicks. I saw her yep. in concert. My daughter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I really like her album. I'm really loving that. And then my all-time favorite always is like Lana Del Rey. I love her stuff so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. All right. Thank you for sharing. We, we always like to see. So Kevin is a, uh, is a musician and uh, he composed the music uh, on the podcast. And so this is, this is the thing he insists on, is like, wanna know what music they're feeling. And if it's hip hop, cool. If it's not, music is music. So um, appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> of course, and I do love me some hip hop history because it is like so quintessential, like Bay Area, all that stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's so rich, it's so awesome. No doubt. Well, folks, uh, thanks for tuning into this. Uh, this is Lauren Ferrari. You can follow her at Teach the Blossom on Instagram, and there's a ton of fantastic resources. Check it out. Um, Lauren, thank you for taking the time to be on here today. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun.